When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Um, Talking of Man City's treble, we're a trio this week, aren't we? So, hello, I'm John Cross. Welcome you to the to the show with Andy Dunn, my colleague from Daily Mirror, and Matt Dunn, football aficionado from the Daily Express. Morning, guys. Um, they're very much um, looking back on Man City's exploits this week, and wow, it sounds like they had a party actually to celebrate the title celebrations. I'm all for that, actually. What a fantastic tweet, Pep Guardiola. In his, in his post-match thing, actually let the guard down and say, yeah, I treated the boys to a bit of a night out, really. And he didn't even see... I mean, he obviously had massively hinted that Jack Grealish wasn't av- available because of those excesses and didn't even seem to mind, which was lovely, really. So I love a good old-fashioned celebration. England's squad, Gareth Southgate, tearing into that band for Ivan Tony, not for the length of it as much as what it represents, really and the Premier League final day. And if Tottenham suffered another managerial setback. But Andy, let's talk Let's talk about Man City and um, the strange game that we were both at on Sunday, wasn't it, really? Um, because the title was already in the bag. The the kind of guard of honour was almost done, almost surreptitiously, really, before the game, wasn't it? And uh, if you blink and you missed it. But then basically, Man City just got the job done. Their, their reserves beat Chelsea's £600 million stars and... You know the cutest celebrations. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he's got it. He's got. It's funny, really, isn't it? Uh, what, uh, what you're saying about Pep um, last night, talking about the party and the game we were at on Sunday last night's game, and to a certain extent, he's got a. It sounds strange to say, but he's actually got quite a a tricky balancing act to sort of get to, to perform, hasn't he? Between now and his end of the season, it's how he approaches. How he approached Chelsea game, how he approached last night's game, how he approaches the game on Sunday against Brentford, who he plays, who he doesn't play, how he keeps them ticking over. I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know, as you well know, I'm all one for a party. Um, but, but the issue he's got, sort of to an extent, is that it, it does feel like you know every player saying, "Well, okay, you know, this is just you know job. This isn't job done. We've got two really big games coming up. It isn't job done." But when you have an end of season party, it feels a bit like job done, doesn't it? You know, I mean, subconsciously, and and you can see that last night in the way they played last night. You know, there wasn't the same. I don't think anyway. Personally, I didn't. It didn't look to me watching on TV. There was the same urgency about Manchester City. The city wasn't the same urgency about certain individual players. I thought who, who, who I thought Gundogan, for example, Bruyne. It didn't seem to be that. No, that's what they were saying. They didn't play as though there was there was anything on it. And of course, there was nothing on it apart from to bring a good show for 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 viewers. So he's now how between now and the final on June the third and the Champions League final on June the tenth. Does he, you know, how does he keep them ticking over? How does he keep them motivated? 
is training as intense is you know and and I just think it's a really that just shows how hard it is is to do what Manchester United did in 1999 it just shows you how difficult that is now to to keep them because don't forget when you're on that winning run and they they had Arsenal to aim at they had that top spot to aim at that was what kept their momentum going and now it feels like there's no momentum it feels like they've won the title as a party they've had a kick around against Chelsea and an execution match essentially against Brighton and now to finish off on Sunday. So I think it's really tricky. Really tricky for him at the moment. Exhibition match. How very dare you? I don't think Matt I think Matt would Matt, you were massively impressed to join me last night, were you? But come on, admit it. Whenever we're together, we have a laugh, don't we? We sat next to each other and the game was a cracker. I thought it was honestly genuinely one of the best games I've seen this season. And I, I know I, I know I'm a bit dull for this and a bit of an old romantic, but I bloody love football and that was a great football match. Yeah, I tell you, it was a privilege to be there and see that goal go in, to be fair. Um, that's one that won't be forgotten for a long time on the South Coast. Um, yeah, no, it was a great game. And actually, I think I think City, I mean, I think if City had been off the boil, they would have, um, Pep would have been slightly more circumspect about admitting that they'd been out on the latch. Um, uh, they gave it. Brighton had a superb. It was best performance that I've seen. Brighton. I've seen quite a lot of them recently. Um, and uh, um, so yeah, but no, they were they're absolutely incredible performance. Um, yeah, perhaps there wasn't a Real Madrid performance from from Manchester City, but but that's the beauty of it. He's got a, a week and a half to go again before it matters. And and this sign of a great manager is knowing when to break the rules. Uh, and I think Pep's learned over the years, you know, it's a fairly good finger on the pulse of when that those moments should be. And and good luck to them. I mean, yeah, they didn't embarrass a team. You know, it wasn't like they were walking around steaming drunk. Um, you know, they, they put in a, a decent performance and arguably um, might have even nicked it at the end, although I don't know what Pep's got to moan about that disallowed goal because that was most uncharacteristic. It's almost like he was spoiling for a fight and been on a few, had one or two under his belt, and a, you, know, you needed someone in the background saying, "No, leave him, Pep. He's not worth it." Um, I mean, because that was a clearly disallowed goal. But yeah, no, City are okay. They'll be okay again in the final game against Brentford when they'll have another torrid run around for no credit if they win. Um, but we'll, which will actually be another tough game. But the ones that matter are next week and uh, yeah, next Saturday, uh, week Saturday, and and the one after that. And and I think it, they'll come through it. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really crowded schedule, isn't it? But I mean, Guardiola, Andy was was talking about the need to keep that intensity up, and you know, to to ensure that they're ready and primed for um for for, for the two finals, basically. Oh yeah, no. As as I've just said before, he, you know, it, it is it, it is a balancing act that, that that he has between you know feeling that the job's done and the players celebrating and losing that intensity that comes with playing week. You don't forget they were playing, you know. Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, winning games, high intensity games, Arsenal away, you know, games that, that, that really, you know, and as I say, you, I, I bow to you two guys because you were there last night and I wasn't, but watching from afar, it it, it struck me as, as quite low in intensity in terms of the City performance from what I've seen them do. But, and can you just switch that back on? Well, I think it's difficult. I mean, I think, you know, listen, they, the occasions should inspire anyway, but we have seen them, you know, in, in major finals before, notably the Chelsea one um, in, where was it, Porto? Um, 
where they haven't they haven't quite you know um um recaptured that intensity that has characterized their season so that'll be a so if people listen you know he, he's a good manager by the way lads by the way and and again you were there and I know Matt rather flippantly sort of uh, referred to it there, but I assume Pep will get done by the FA for his touchline antics, will he? Well, he got booked, didn't he? So yeah, but I mean, from what I could see, I mean, from what I could see on my TV screen, I mean, he, he, he pretty much manhandled these the the assistant. He etched his way past. I don't, I don't think he. Yeah, I, it's a fine, and the, the margins have been set very fine with the Mitrovic. Um, but I, I do think he was just he wasn't. He wasn't directed at the official. He was just trying to get past him to get to somebody else. And, yeah, it's semantics when you get to that level. He shouldn't be anywhere near him in the first place, so he should get done. But just going back to um, just going quickly back to the football aspect of it, I think what works and what is good for City as well and good for Pep is that where does you would second-guess him and where does he come out with a surprise, for example, in that Champions League final against Chelsea and he came out with a surprise team selection? I think we know what his team is. And yeah, I think I think we know the team he plays in the FA Cup final. And barring, you know, and if they play well in that final and, and and there's no injuries, he'll play that in the Champions League final as well. It's unusual that we actually pretty much know what Guardiola's first team is. Um so I think he's got that. I think he knows and the players will know, right, well this is the side that's going to play and they can work on that in training. So I think I think they have got that positive as well. And let's face it, you know, they're just a fantastic side, full stop. If it's not the first question, it'll be the second question. You know, should you have let them go on the last bet? Uh, it, you know, that's one of those with hindsight, 2020 hindsight, we can all make the right goal. You know, but uh, you, you back Pep to, to know what he's doing. And if he felt that's what his team needed, then good luck to them. Yeah. Are you saying that should have been my follow up question? No, no, when they wake till they lose. <laughs> no, fair. No, fair enough. No, fair enough. Matt, I, I, as you've acclaimed yourself as Brighton correspondent, come on, what an achievement! And and that's a team that couldn't score goals under Graham Potter. Uh, you know, couldn't you know, couldn't do it. Uh, and he's just you know revolutionised them. He's playing. I mean, Pep said himself that they're playing football that nobody else is playing. And you watch them and where their attacks come from. It's just so fluid, so energetic, uh, and and some of the players there that. That are performing, they're probably he's admitted himself last night. They probably end up selling them because that's the sort of club they are, and he'll have to find, or the club will have to find others to replace them and take them on to the next level at the same time as playing in Europe. And you know, but uh, Pep Guardiola said uh, before the game that he sees uh, Deserbi as one of those managers that we're talking about as one of the top in the game within twenty years, uh, and everything about him is just so impressive. Um, you know, and, and the most impressed I was was when they lost to Everton, when I thought he was so sane, so measured, so, you know, disappointed. But also you could see why if his players were watching his press conference, you know, they would, you know, it was balanced. It didn't throw the dummy out of the pram. He looked like a man that, that you'd want to, you'd feel that you'd let down and would want to go again next week and, and to have that sort of sway over a dressing room. You know, there are only a few people who can do that in the game and they've been the successful ones. And yeah, no, I think he's, you know, <laughs> will you talk about players, some of the players not being there by the end of the summer? I wonder if, if he'll still be there because there's some big jobs available and he is an incredible managerial talent. There's no doubt about that. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Andy, I just wanted to ask you about the uh, England squad. Yes, really interesting comments, weren't there? Really, from um, Gareth Southgate on Ivan Tony, by the way. First and you know, what, what, what do you make of that? I mean, he's not actually having a go at the length of the ban, is he? He's having a go about the you know, procedure of the ban, the lack of kind of re- rehabilitation for, for a player who week in, week out has been wearing advertising on, it, on his shirt and then breaking FA rules on it. I, I, I think it's quite a delicate situation in the sense that I do think we're almost going the other way. Let's, I mean, let's sort of like be devil's advocate to a certain extent. I mean, this word has come out today and used yesterday about rehabilitation. Now, I mean, you tell me what, who, what, what, why we're we using the word rehabilitation. Are we assuming? I, I mean, what? I, I, I don't quite understand. What are we assuming? I think it's a lack of pastoral care, almost, isn't it? You know, because he's ostracised for four months, injured. You know, moping around his house. Frankly, that's in in a way we've almost gone full the other way, haven't we? In the sense of our rehabilitation, pastoral care. You know, let's let, let's. I mean, this sounds like you know quite draconian, quite harsh. But you know, Ivan Tony isn't a victim here. He's not a victim. He is the culprit. You know, so so if we assume we are, we've got the assumption now that rehabilitation implies that he has a problem, and we don't know that yet. We don't know, you know, if he's got an addiction that needs treating. Do we? We really don't know, but we're assuming that. You know, in the. No, a punishment's a punishment. It's called a punishment for a reason. Now, he's, he's, he's broken the rules, and that is the punishment. Now, I agree. I think it's draconian that you're not allowed. You know, to me, eight months without playing football would be, you know, punishment enough, which is what he's got. But to actually not be able to go to your football club and to, to, to train, to run around, you know, with your mates does seem quite draconian to me. But I just think we need to be a little bit careful about automatically you know, automatically um, saying going down the rehabilitation route because it is possible. It is possible not to, to, to gamble and not be an addict. You don't gamble at all. I'm not like a bet, you know, and, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm an addict and I don't know it. You don't, you just don't know, do you? But I'd like to think not. And I, I just think that, I think that's got really good points. This, this idea that he can't have any contact at all with his club, with his teammates, I think is really harsh. I think, if you're balancing someone from actually playing football professionally for eight months, I think that's punishment enough, and, and I think that's probably where it's come from. But I don't, I don't think we should just go down the route of almost making Ivan Tony the victim here. Can I just throw a, just something into the the pot from Southgate's point? I think Southgate was actually talking a bit more practically than that, and the fact is Tony's injured, as in he's got a hamstring problem, but he can't. He's got a worse injury. Go to doctor, the GP. Because he's not allowed to access the football fraternity for his physical rehabilitation. That's the point. Does he go to the local aerobics class for low impact training? I mean, I think that part was part of what Southgate was saying is that he's got an injury 
but he cannot use can't go to his club for four months to get it treated. You know, there's a guy who's injured, struggling with that, and bizarrely, we're, we're kicking him out. And the best help he can get is within football, and then he's not he's not allowed access to that. It goes to the nth degree where Southgate even questioned the fact that he was having a football conversation with him. You know, his international football manager. That constitutes football business in some people's book. That should be banned. And he even said, you know, I'll take the extra the, the extra months if that's what that comes to. I mean, it is a ridiculous situation that, that the guy can't get treatment to an injury. But do we know that to be the case? You have to assume that. Well, but he, he, he's, he's allowed to... He, he, I mean, the, the club has doctors, you know, who, who, who don't practice in, in, in the back room at the club. They practice in, in, the, in the medical practice. So he's allowed to go to those. He's right. But then what's to stop clubs getting their physio to see the player that's banned all the way and pass on training drills? And if you're going to police this thing properly, you've got to say there's an argument to say there should be no contact with any staff members of the club, which is the draconian measures that that kind of technically are in place that he can't even speak to his international manager, perhaps. Here's a collector's item. I'm in agreement with Matt. Sorry, Andy, I hold my hands up. I must be wrong. Then Matt's right. You know, where do you draw the line? You know, can he go in, you know, to the training ground? And what's the difference then, basically, if he goes into the training ground for treatment, you know, with the physio, to the physio going to his house? What is the difference? I Brackets, nothing. And I just think, you know, I, I listen, I, I feel as if I expected a lengthy ban. Listen, I thought it'd be six months. And maybe, maybe Brentford and Tony thought it might even potentially be longer. I just feel that the way that the ban is set out, sorry, that first four months, it feels wrong to me. To have no contact at all, come on. I just feel that in the, in the, in the era of mental health, when mental health is such a consideration, and rightly so, wow, I, I think Gareth Southgate's hit on something there. Really, I, I don't see what the benefit is as well of keeping away for four months. He doesn't bring anything to Brent or very little to Brentford. While if he could turn up every day for four months if he's not playing on Saturday. You know, you know, it's, yeah, just let him get on with his daily life. Again, again Matt, that, 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 again, that slightly betrays you. You say you don't see the benefits of that. Well, it's not supposed to be a benefit. It's supposed to be a punishment. They haven't got their best player for eight months. But at the same time, then he's, he's got to fill his days. I mean, it's just the balance has to be struck. You know, that's, that's the, it's the equivalent to, you know, a, a rehabilitative, you know, with the prison service, you, do you go to prison to rehabilitate or do you go there to throw away the key? And this is, feels a lot like throwing away the key with Tony for those first four months. That's saying, right, you're, you're in exile. Yeah, yeah, let's look at the squad generally. And I'll tell you what, the, 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 you know, any any surprises for be, be, be you guys? What do you make of Raheem Sterling? What do you, any, any surprises for you? I thought it was great that Lewis Dunk, I've been the sort of founder, secretary, Chairman of the um, Lewis Dunk Fan Club, and so pleased that the campaign has, has worked after four and a half years. But um, it's it, uh, you know it's um, I mean I guess it's a fairly straightforward squad, isn't it? Eze was a, was a nice call up, but you ca- you can't afford any 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 slips, can you? No, I, I think I think it's uh, I think it's it's uh, you know it's a good squad in, in in an unremarkable way, isn't it? Really, I didn't expect Raheem Sterling, and I don't think he's done enough. To be in the squad, um, I don't think there's any other notable arm, um, omissions. There's obviously there's obviously an issue with Ben White, isn't there? But I don't think he's going to be making a, a return to the fold. Um, other than that, 
You know, I don't, I, I, I like it. I like the look of the squad. I'll be interested to see, you know, within the squad, what he does um, um, in the games. I'll be interested to see if, if, if at all he uses Trent Alexander-Arnold in a position, you know, obviously he tried him there once um, against Andorra, the game we were at, and it didn't really work out, even against Andorra. Um, but no, John, I, I, I just think it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a well-balanced, it's a good squad. Again, it's, it, it's hard to say, with the games, obviously, and, and obviously he was quick to point out that North Macedonia at home isn't a gimme. Um, it should be, but, you know, it, 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 it's, it'll be able to get rest into the City players. So, yeah, I just think it's just, you know, it's a good squad. I, I don't think there's anything you could actually say, well, I can't believe he's not in the squad or I can't believe he is in the squad. I think it's it, it's a well-balanced squad. Yeah, Matt, agree? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, you'd like to think that with the City players likely to sit out the uh, the Malta game, then it would be a chance for some young talent to be experimental with. But there's no one knocking on the door particularly to come through. Um, you know, he's, he's got a decent squad now. We should be about the, the first 11 these days anyway. Um, you know, we've got our squad pretty much that can do go deep into a tournament. He needs to nail that first 11. And I think the key thing for that Malta game would be very interesting. Does he play Trent Alexander-Arnold in the midfield? Or does he give Madison another chance? Because we're kind of two-thirds of the way to having quite a decent midfield there with um, Declan Rice and Jude Bellingham. And then it's who fills in that other slot with Henderson not getting any younger. Calvin Phillips always seen as a sort of rather defensive option. Yeah, something to excite the nation to slot into that gap, whether it's Trent Alexander-Arnold, if James Madison can show that he really can do it, because I think this is his chance with Grealish out presumably resting still um, uh, and probably better rested than he was last night, um, then, uh, you know, let, let's see if we can nail that one down against the, a Malta team that as much as Gareth tried to talk down yesterday, how easy it's going to be, you know, I think everybody is stood there hoping that it's not going to be paper aeroplanes again and then it's going to be something a bit bit more like the, the big scoring results we got against sort of Andorra. Um, uh, and a f- rattling a few goals in and putting on the show. So, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see, I think. Our good friend Alan, Alan Chamberlain here, we can't let a show and a season go by without a mention here, but he says, Phillips has excelled this season. Pleased to see him in there. I'm pleased for your sincerity, Alan, um, and, and we appreciate it. But on a serious point, I do feel as if, you know, Alan opens up a discussion there. And he went... Where'd you draw the line on Phillips? Where'd you draw the line on Harry Maguire? There was a little bit of a pushback for the first time from Southgate on Maguire saying, this, basically, this can't carry on. And that, that I thought that was interesting to see that. Yes, I, if I fully Alan's brought up, I was going to just exact, bring exactly the same thing up. You know, it's you've got a player there in Calvin Phillips who who has started one Premier League game this season. You know, one Premier League. And that, and that was, you know, purely a ceremonial game against Chelsea. That was the only game that Peppers trusted him to start. And that's not going to change with Calvin Phillips. That will not change unless he leaves Manchester City. You know, it, it is quite clear, quite clear. I mean, he's unfortunate in the sense that he um, he's behind a player, the player standing in his way is Rodri, who is probably, I would argue, even ahead of Erling Haaland and uh, Edison and Kevin De Bruyne, it is possibly the most undroppable player in Manchester City's squad. You know, he is, he, he, the whole team is essentially ticks around him. So that's not going to change. You know, Calvin Phillips going in, so you're going to go into 
if Calvin Phillips stays in Manchester City going into Euro 2024, he won't be playing Premier League football, and that, and that cannot happen. You know, he he, he cannot. When we now look at the finals, you know, as much as Gareth might say about Malta and Macedonia, I mean, I'm not saying it's done, but the results that England have had already, even in those opening two games, suggest that they well they will qualify. So you look into that. So that can't happen with Phillips, and exactly the same with Maguire. It has to be. You know, listen, he can afford to put in Maguire and Phillips for these two games. You know, not a problem, but. He can't afford to do it going into ne- next summit. So, and both of those players, both of those players, you can't see any way back for them into the front rank at their respective clubs, can you? I, I don't see how Harry Maguire is an automatic central defensive starter for Manchester United next season. Phillips is certainly nowhere near it. So, basically, th- th- those two players, th- that is going to come into their thinking this summer. You know, do we stay or, or do we go? Southgate's not silly, is he? He backs his players in March when they're stuck at the clubs they're stuck at. But when you're about to see a transfer window open, he sends the message out loud and clear, this can't carry on. So now it's in the players' hands. They've got to sort their futures out, decide what's important to them. Uh, but Southgate, I think, for as much as he bends his ways as to whether he's going to pick players who are playing or whatever, and or those that have done well for England, he knows that regular play, he was even... Uh, you didn't want to go down that line with Jordan Pickford, but championship football might not be enough to keep him in the team. Um, if you're not playing regularly in the Premier League, you're not getting the sort of um, ash levels that you need. And he's, he's telling all his players that. Well, we do touch on uh, Jordan Pickford and the championship. Heaven forbid. Um, the uh, uh, can we just can we just give a mention, Matt, perhaps to Tottenham and their and their latest managerial target or not? Because of course, you know, slot in, he quickly was saying that basically, you know, he never had an intention to leave, and so therefore, I'm sure that will be backed up by Spurs. But basically, um, you know, it does feel as if uh, you know another potential candidate is uh, or, or someone off the rank, basically. Is is uh, you know where, where where are Spurs going next with their manager? Do you think? Uh, well, Arnie says Hasselavista. Um, it's made for a headline, that isn't it? Um, uh, well, where they go next? Did they ever go there? That's the mystery of Tottenham Hotspur. Been long conversations already this morning. Um, that, I'll tell you what it is. It's a repeat of was it two years ago when they're linked with every single manager in the summer. Don't get any of them. They're, are they being played by Slot, who's now been negotiating himself a nice new extension at Feyenoord? Were they interested and being snubbed? Um, you know, there's so many mixed messages that come out of the club who never com- comment on managers and never comment on potential candidates, but say they've never, but will say that they never spoke to Nagelsmann. So they never talk about. Uh, players' contracts during the season and then make an official announcement a day later that Lucas Moura will be leaving at the end of the campaign. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's mixed message from the club, a club that's in a mess at the moment and, and has been, you know, pretty much since they decided to get rid of Conte and replace him with Conte Light and then say, which peed off the guy who thought he was going to get the job, who they then gave the job to 
on a temporary basis who's made a big play for how he wants to do it on a permanent basis, but seems to be being snuffed by them talking to everybody else in football. And who knows, they'll probably end up with Ryan Mason as manager next season because he's the only one that can actually get over the line. Um, it, it's just a mess. They haven't got, you know, they, they, they employed a, a director of football. Uh, I always get loose. The managing director of football who uh, was was on his way to a FIFA ban. Uh, yeah, there's there's no leadership. They've got a lovely stadium. Uh, they've got a chairman who's now not refuses to be accountable unless he goes and sees his old chums at Cambridge and gets asked friendly soft soap questions. Won't put himself in front of the media. Um, you know, it, you know, it's just not accountable to anybody. And uh, you know, they're heading in a bad direction at the moment. And for all the the brilliant business acumen that, that's gone behind, uh, you know, building these facilities, you know, they've got some, some of the big crucial football decisions wrong. They've also, by the way, not sold naming rights, which is leaving a big hole in it. Uh, so it's not quite a hundred percent in terms of the corporate side of things either. Um, and they're, they're heading in the opposite direction to, well, they're in the Chelsea direction, aren't they? But with less money. But, you know, I don't see it as a good season next year for Spurs. You know, you'd expect Chelsea to get their act together a little bit better. Now you've got teams like Brighton, who ironically the only team that Spurs pretty much have beaten this season. Um, but you've got Newcastle in the mix. How are they going to get in the Champions League next season unless somebody comes in and gets a grip of things? And you think with having had a head start by getting rid of their manager before everybody else, the Spurs would have a better idea of where they were going than they do seem to right now. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of mess, um, Survival Sunday. Who in earth is going to go down? Because, you know, it, it's, it is a facet. I mean, you know, we've had the title race up until the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We've had the battle, you know, the battle for top four. And now the only thing left now is it is actually the fight for survival, the relegation scrap. And it is genuinely interesting. You'd have to say Leeds are the outsiders now. Leicester, you know, it, 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 all, they have to win to stand a chance, basically, don't they? You know, and then basically also Everton, it's in their hands if they beat Bournemouth at home, which you think is doable. But actually, you know, if they if they draw Leicester win, then Leicester stay up. I mean, it is it, there's so many permutations, Andy. Where, which way do you think it's going to go? Well, I'm, I'm in good as and I think obviously I've been there on some other occasions, um, going way back to the game against Wimbledon, um, and you know Everton have you know a history of of, of saving themselves. You know, last year I don't think it was quite the last game, was it? It was the second to last game against Palace. They did it, um, and yes, your instinct is to think that Bournemouth, you know, since they guaranteed their own survival, you know, don't seem to be understandably as um, as intense as as they were. So you would think that Everton would get that win. But what, what what amuses me is that people are talking about it as though, you know, people are seeing Leeds beating Spurs because Spurs are Spurs. They're seeing Leicester beating West Ham because West Ham have got a European final to prepare for. And they're seeing Everton beating Bournemouth because Bournemouth are on the beach, etc. Now, I mean, what are the, when are these three teams, by the way, they're in the bottom, they're down there for a reason. And that's because they don't win football matches very often. And everyone seems to think all three are going to win a game on the same day. I can't believe that's probably happened this season. I don't know, but I can't believe it has. So I don't expect all three teams to win. You know, people seem to to, to see that, that that could happen. I don't. I don't see. I don't. I don't see that it will. I think someone will slip up. But I saw. I, I thought Leeds were 
were particularly poor at West Ham last week. After a bright opening to the game, I was shocked by how they pretty much capitulated. I don't think that bodes well for them. Leicester, I was fascinated by their tactics on Monday, you know, when they, they seemed to basically just give wanted to give themselves this chance, although they, they could have nicked in the end. This The chance of Everton not getting a win and them beating um, um, West Ham. So, listen, I, I, the bottom line is I think Everton will somehow get past Bournemouth. I don't think it'll be easy uh, because I think there'll be nerves and they'll be without Calvert-Lewin and they don't score many goals and they don't win many games. But I think on this occasion, they will get past Bournemouth and obviously, if they do that, that means the other two are relegated. Yeah, um, having back Nottingham Forest last week to, uh, to 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 go down, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure that you know I'm not sure you're probably feeling that confident about your predictions this week. But um, but no, who, who how do you see the final day panning out? Well, if anyone wants to bug me a few quid, I'll happily tip them for relegation. This is safe. Um, I do think Leeds are going to win. Which sets, you know, one rung of the ladder or one one bar for everyone else. Um, technically means Everton only need to draw because of the goal difference, but because of the goal difference, if Leicester win, that still leaves them in the mess. Um I'm probably with Andy that I think yeah, Everton if it's oh, put it this way, if Everton don't beat Bournemouth, they deserve to go for all the ums and ahs and the what a great club it is and all the mess that it is. You know, they shouldn't be this close to relegation. They are, but if they haven't got it, if it's not a big enough club to beat Bournemouth on the last day of the season, uh, you know, to save it, safeguard a, such a long Premier League history, um, top flight history, then then they deserve to go down. It's simple as that. It is. It is fascinating. I do. I, you know, I do think I'm at Leicester on Sunday, and to think that seven years on from the greatest triumph, a couple of years on from the FA Cup. The team are in this mess. I have to say, that I think of all the teams, if they decide to turn up, and I thought they did actually turn up on Monday night. They played it well. Leicester can win, you know. But it's you know that that's right. That's writing off West Ham, isn't it? As well, because I think that you you know, and but will West Ham be sort of have their minds elsewhere? Who know, who knows? I do think it's fascinating. But guys, you, you know, it's pretty. Andy, you think Everton will stay up, and and Matt, you you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 what will what will the mood? You know, Goodison so well, Andy. What will the mood music be in both scenarios? Oh well, I mean, clearly, it, it, clearly, the scenario is the is the is the the, the, uh, the owner and the chairman won't be inside Goodison Park. That's for sure. You know, none of the board will be, will be there. Um, Clearly, it will be if if they do go down, it'll be it'll be extremely toxic. Um, I don't think, you know, as I say, they are. I was at the Man City game and um, where they got beat three 0 recently, and the atmosphere was incredible to start with. You know, it changed a bit when City scored um, two goals in five minutes, but um, and it will be. I mean, it'll be incredibly supportive. It will be. You know, they'll they'll welcome the coach with you know. Um, in no uncertain terms, both coaches, and it will be, yeah, it, 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 it'll, it'll be good. You know, I, I think, I don't think there'll necessarily be as big a celebration as, say, there was when they beat Palace last season. And if you remember when, when Patrick Vieira got into a little bit of a scuffle on the pitch, 
and 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 there, there, there was a and Frank, you know, memorably was up in the um, with Bill Kenwright up in in the um, director's seats, and the the masses were down there celebrating. I don't think it will be as celebratory if they stay up this time. I think it will be more. It might be briefly celebratory, but I think it, it will still be toxic against the board and the ownership. Um, I think it would be brief celebration, and then they'll say, "Well, hang on, how come?" And don't forget, they have to do this. How come we're in this mess again? You know, how come Everton Football Club is in this mess again? And that would be even, even, even if they survive. I'll tell you one thing about this um, relegation um, situation, survival Sunday, as you want to call it. Who would have thought that we that at the start of the season you would say, "Well, actually, you know what? The three managers who are going to be in the survival Sunday are Dean Smith, Sam Allardyce, and Short Dyche." You put the stank on a minute. What what do we in? And and there they are, the the, the three um um yes, uh, it's, it's the three homegrown coaches uh, of, of who play distinctive football all, all battling it out. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see who comes on top. But but yes, in answer to your question, it will be it, it will be lively at Everton. You know, and I'm sure the very same will be at Ellen Road as well, you know, the atmosphere they can generate. But it, it has shown before that, you know. That doesn't necessarily that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to inspire Everton. You know, it might make them nervous. It will be about how Bournemouth approach the game. You know, it, it, it really will. Listen, it, again, they're down there for a reason, Everton. They're not very good. So, you know, there's no reason that Bournemouth couldn't come and get results at Everton, but it, it depends what approach they take, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's a fa- absolutely fascinating. Just really going back to the uh, Jordan Pickford Championship thing, uh, with England, I mean that's an interesting point. Isn't it? Does it make a difference for a goalkeeper in the Championship? Who would you rather face in a one-on-one, Harry Kane or somebody from the Championship? It's it's putting your skills to that sort of degree. Um, a plus side for Pitford to get away with a few more brothers in the Championship. Oh mate, that's harsh. I don't think he ever. I don't, he never makes a mistake. I was just trying to work out then on this sort of kind of just randomly this sort of permutations. And the worst set of results that could possibly happen to ensure kind of, you know, could everyone lose and then lose by biggest margin and then who stays up and then that, it, it, you know, it's not quite that tight. But I tell you what, I do, I'm with Andy. All three teams won't win. Someone will slip. And basically, you know, I, I do think, Andy, you and I were both watching together, weren't we, the the, the West Ham Leeds game on, on Sunday in the... Restroom, and uh, there was a certain point, wasn't there, that, that basically, I think it was at one-one, wasn't it? That if those scores had remained the same, then basically it would have come. You know, they would have been level on goal difference and goals scored. Not quite that tight, but I tell you what, it does take some working out of the bottom. And I think that at some point, Everton will be in the drop zone. I think on 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 Sunday, and ultimately, I think I'm with you guys. I think they'll survive. <laughs>